I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. Two hot, uh, there's an appropriate word, topics now, climate change and crypto. At Money 2020, crypto as a service platform, Zumo launches what it claims to be a world first, a decarbonizing crypto solution for banks, fintechs and asset managers, holding out the promise of ESG-aligned crypto offerings to customers. So just how do you go about decarbonizing digital assets? I speak to Kirstine Harrison, environmental advisor at Zumo. But first, do you want to access the $10 billion Middle East fintech opportunity? If the answer is yes, then join the Cedar IBSI Fintech Lab and fast track your journey of market expansion to the GCC with us. As a Fintech Lab member, you'll have access to skilled mentors and have the opportunity to learn, network and collaborate with like-minded individuals building your knowledge base, skills and connections. Visit www.cedaribsifintechlab.com. Now, back to our conversation with Kirstine Harrison, Zumo's environmental advisor. In general, the need to decarbonize has become greater and greater as the science has moved on. So first of all, I would say a lot of people are still stuck in the mindset that we have some room in terms of the temperature differences that we can expect in the planet. We don't. There's a real level of urgency as to what we need to do. And so within the crypto sector, we've been doing a lot of work looking at how we decarbonize both blockchains and other digital assets. With cryptocurrencies and blockchains, the carbon footprint comes through electricity consumption, right? So the way that we can decarbonize blockchains and cryptocurrencies is to look at the electricity consumption, measure what that is, see how we can attribute that fairly across the chain of users, holders of cryptocurrency. So that's what we're doing. In terms of the importance of decarbonizing, it's as important as any other sector. Every sector needs to decarbonize. Well, it is a, a saying the fact to say that cryptocurrencies in general use a lot of power. Is there any way of reducing that, or is it just a case of offsetting? It depends on the consensus mechanism, it depends on the cryptocurrency. So when you're looking at proof-of-work consensus mechanisms, so Bitcoin being the prime example, the energy use is built into the consensus mechanism itself. So that is kind of inherent in the Bitcoin network and other proof-of-work cryptocurrencies. That's not the same for all cryptocurrencies. And so when we talk about the electricity consumption of cryptocurrencies, I think we need to be careful not to paint the same picture of all because there are inherent differences in terms of electricity consumption and therefore carbon footprint. You asked the question about is there anything that we can do about it. I think what's very interesting in the case of proof of work is that energy inefficiency has inherently been built into the system deliberately. So in a sense, the more secure the network, the more energy is expended. And so, for example, Zumo, we're an intermediary in the crypto ecosystem. We don't mine cryptocurrencies. We're not the direct users of the electricity. And we have no overall control at all on the electricity consumption of the Bitcoin network. So in that case, what we're looking at doing is procuring renewable electricity that's equivalent to that which has been used. So it's an offset? It's technically different to an offset. There's two different things that can be done. So one is the procurement of renewable electricity. We do that through renewable energy certificates. And that isn't technically an offset. I can come on and explain what that is in a minute if that's of interest. 
the other is more traditional carbon offsets and they can be they can be used too they are both very valid ways of doing it but they're different market instruments so they have a different purpose you said that the large energy consumption has been built in can you expand on why that is built in well if we're sticking with the example of Bitcoin, the way that Bitcoin transactions are validated in the blockchain is that miners compete to solve cryptographic puzzles. And the more miners compete, the more secure the network is because the more parties they are involved, but the more electricity is expended in, in doing that. So it was built in effectively as a security measure? Yeah. All right, let's move on to a little bit more about what Zumo itself is doing. You described it as a middleman. Well, we're an intermediary in the crypto ecosystem, so with... Um, That's what I said, a middleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what we do at, at Zumo is work with banks, fintechs, asset managers to enable them to provide crypto as a service. So we provide the infrastructure for them to be able to do that. And we also have a consumer app. So we have a B2B side of the business, which is the main bit of what we do, but our consumer app is the B2C side of the business. And so we work with blockchains. Um, for example, in our consumer app, what we're doing is looking at the electricity consumption of the Bitcoin that we work with, and then we can do calculations to assess what the electricity consumption is that we're responsible for and that our users are responsible for. And so we've just launched a product called Zumo Oxygen, and that allows us to work with our enterprise customers to help them calculate the electricity consumption or carbon footprint of their digital assets and come up with solutions to decarbonise those. Decarbonising, of course, costs money. How does that cost get passed on, or does it get eaten? Well, you say decarbonising costs money, and that is a fair point, and I can come back to that. But actually, the risk of not doing it is a greater cost to businesses than the cost of doing it. So actually the value of doing it I think is maybe what we need to look at rather than the cost of doing it. So in terms of cost, what we're doing at the moment is working with our enterprise clients to procure renewable electricity equivalent to the electricity consumption of their crypto activity and there's a cost associated with that per megawatt hour of electricity that's consumed. The benefit to them is a reputational benefit. It's also the benefit of meeting the targets that they set in their own net zero strategy and getting in compliance with legislation which is either in place now or which is coming up. So it's an interesting question because actually we still look at this as a cost and I think what we need to start doing not just in the crypto space but collectively is looking at the cost of inaction so the cost of not doing anything which will become far greater than the cost of actually doing something. I understand what you're saying just in the short term of course there is a cost which is a pounds and pence dollars and cents cost which I guess will end up being passed on to a consumer. It depends on the... I can't comment on the financial models of the enterprises that that use it. You know, they they can either bear that cost themselves or they can choose to pass that cost on to their consumers directly or they can absorb the cost in in some other way. Now, you were were talking earlier there a moment ago about your B2C offering. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the B2B offering. You mentioned crypto as a service. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we do as as Zubo. So we provide the technology to allow banks, fintechs, asset managers who are not currently operating in the crypto space to start operating in the crypto space and provide crypto as a service. So we provide that infrastructure 
to them to enable them to do it. What does that offer to people? Because at the moment, we're still not even at a tipping point where crypto becomes something other than when you can argue the toss whether it's an investment or a gamble. We'll not get into that discussion here. But it's going to tip over from that to become something that is broadly accepted. There will be a range of digital assets. There will be tokenization of assets. How is that going to change how we all do business? And what does it mean for Zuma? Well, at the moment, we're working with a lot of clients that are in traditional finance that are also including crypto as a service. So I think what we are seeing is a diversification of what they do into the crypto space. Parallel to that, you're obviously getting a lot of companies that are crypto startups that are doing this as an alternative to the financial system. So I think there's going to be a period where there's a lot of alignment between the two. That's what we're beginning to see is a, a kind of acceptance of the financial traditional financial sector, that crypto will become a part of their offering. And as that happens, this obviously will create a business opportunity for the service you provide in terms of quantifying what does this mean for me? If I'm an investment management organisation, what does this mean for me in terms of what I have to do to decarbonise? And yes, I completely accept there is regulation on the way as far as ESG is concerned. That will happen. Is already happening, in fact. So there there is going to be a requirement on an organisation getting into that business to do something about it. But it creates, obviously, business opportunity for somebody like you. How are you going to capitalise on that? And are you focused on any particular geographies? Are you looking solely at a UK market? Are you looking at a European market? Are you looking at a global market? We're looking mainly within the UK at the moment. So our financial services side of the business is registered as a crypto asset firm under the FCA registration process. So the UK is our main area of focus at the moment. Final question. You're a sustainability advisor. Do you wake up every morning cheerful or depressed? (laughs) I love that question. I see the opportunity as to what we need to do. And I mean that generally, not just in terms of my work with Zumo. I see at the moment businesses really, really waking up to the challenge and I see a very quick realisation that incremental change is not the way forward, that actually we need systemic and transformative change. And I'm really lucky to be working with businesses that see it that way and don't question the science of climate change or anything like that. So what I do allows me to be optimistic and I choose work that allows me to be optimistic but we have a lot of work to do and not much time to do it. Kirstine Harrison, Environmental Advisor, Zumo.